poor spirits. We are your hosts here at this lovely little podcast. I am Mark, and with me as always is... Dimitri. What's up, guys? How's it going, everyone? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah? I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, we took one week off. Is is it one or one? Just one week. Wow. It feels like it's been a year. These things might become more sporadic, and uh, for all of you who have been kind to keep up with us in our journey, we hope that you give us a little leeway every so often. Just, you know, if if, a, if an episode doesn't come out, it's probably because we're doing something, but that's neither here nor there. This week, we are going to be discussing some stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, we're going to be doing <laughs> dives versus cocktail bars. Yes, cocktail lounges and, and such things. We are going to uh, kind of see which one we think is the better. We we have, as we always do, picked our own corners to fight in. Um, and I I saw you walk in today. And yet again, you had a case of beer uh, and uh, what looked like a bottle of Malort. Yeah, it was a bottle of Malort. Uh, it is a bottle of Malort. So today for you, I'm going to be making a classic dive pairing it's a very artsy drink how appropriate of you it is dive. called the chicago handshake for those that don't know yes but as soon as you said old style malort i'm assuming anybody that knows dives or is from chicago already knew that that was the chicago handshake yes the chicago handshake is a classic dive drink it's a they go together uh, so well I, on the other hand, am apparently still sticking true to what I thought we were, which was a cocktail podcast. We are a cocktail podcast, <laughs> but you said you let me pick between dive and cocktail bar, you, and I went the most divey route I could possibly find. You jumped on dive bar yeah. so fast, I had no chance, and I saw that coming from a mile away. I'm, I you basically I met you at, bars. yeah, you, I didn't meet you at Jake's Pub, but you, you basically forced me as a regular at Jake's Pub for a couple of years there. Yeah, that's your it, ultimate dive. That is that is one of the ultimate dives. I feel. Yeah, I mean it's one of the oldest bars in Chicago. So when did that start? Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I think it was like nineteen thirty-one. Okay. I wore my right hoodie, but it's old chief. Well, that means if Dimitri is doing dives, I will be in support of the cocktail lounge. And yeah, I have made a really fancy cocktail: flash-infused tequila with Fresno peppers, uh, using an ISI and uh, which is basically just a whipped cream uh, maker and a cantaloupe juice that I also flash infused with ginger root and I made a tequila based cocktail off of that uh, yeah so we'll have some Ooh. yeah it's it's kind of fancy it's different but if anybody out there wants to make a cocktail and join us today with our really opposite spectrum uh, drinks here that we have yeah this uh, is a very like polar opposite kind of debate oh yeah cool so uh let me go open you a beer okay and i'm gonna go make a cocktail those of you out there who would like to follow suit this is a great time to mix up something start that tea because we will be right back with some silly comments all right my friend oh that was so anticlimactic well yeah it's a it's beer here just cheers cheers is always the better wait switch me this is yours i know but you just like old style what you love old style cheers no i don't i love high life oh that's right you're the high life man i forgot about that oh hey holy shit that's spicy (laughs) you only use like half a pepper i took the whole pep i took the peppers out 
I mean, you took them out, but you flashed. Well, I I took the well, no, I took the the, um, the seeds out. out. I took all the seeds out. Anyway, well, I'm a wuss when it comes to spice. You know that, but yeah, this old sow is kind of spicy too. That (laughs) that is awesome. What? Whatever it is, like whoa! I've never gotten that reaction. Balance in that cocktail is really really nice. Like, it's a little too spicy. I yeah. might use, like, jalapenos instead of Fresnos if you wanted to, like, try and recreate it again. I don't think that's the case. So, what happened, and I think this also led to my bad luck, is I added another wash of Fresno because I kind of read the directions wrong a little bit. Gotcha. So, so I think that when I do it again, I won't double smack the Fresno in there. Yeah. Like, that's that's what hits you right away, like you the, heard me like i yeah. instantly was like holy shit but after the initial shock of the heat fades the cantaloupe mixed with the little bit of spiciness from the ginger mixed with the spice from the pepper is really really good there is a double spice in there that i didn't take into consideration but in a different way like you can tell ginger spiciness from like pepper spiciness ginger spiciness i feel like and I might be wrong in pulling this out of my ass, but I feel like ginger spiciness is almost in the nose, whereas a like pepper spice will kind of creep up in your throat. Yeah, like I'm getting it a lot in the back of the throat. I really want to go back for another sip. I want to taste it now. Well, wait. Yes, I'm going to take it a sip, and then we're going to palate cleanse with a shot of Malort yeah. because we have to do this. Uh... Like, right, like it's, it's real spicy off the back, but wait for it to fade and just like taste that in your nose. That is so good, and I'm really proud of myself, and I'm going to be using my ISI so much more. It's delicious. That's really well. That's anyway, good. Then. Okay, hello. Ooh. Wow. Right, Mark Craft Cocktails. Here, I did it. Guys, I was getting so nervous. A few of mine have come out not so great on this thing. All right, so now we're going to do the, the back. The Malort. The Malort shot. And uh, for those of you who are, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, for those of you who do not know, Malort is only served in Chicago, uh, and it was actually originally brewed in florida fun fact they did recently bring it over the distilling process to chicago but it was actually i believe jacksonville florida where it was first distilled and distributed only in chicago so it's a distilled in jacksonville and they shipped it up to chicago don't quote me about the jacksonville but i do know that it's florida and if you look at some of the older bottles it will say distilled in florida but it is only distributed in chicago which is strange but also such an inception story for what I would consider the worst liqueur. It's not the worst. It's bad. What's the worst? <sighs> Flavor profile that for me. What is that? What do you taste? I've done this before. And I've described it to a lot of people. Malort to me tastes like if you left an ashtray out in the rain for like three days and then poured out that juice and then took a shot of it look at your face and you say it's not the worst liqueur ever i think it is hands down the worst liqueur ever because i would flavor profile that as stomach bile with hints of grapefruit stomach bile is a good one yeah it tastes like stomach bile it doesn't help that it's 10 (laughs) a.m yeah this is an early day Anyways, uh, off of our Malort uh, tangent, you brought Malort and uh, Old Style because you are defending dive bars. All right, so first I want to tell you a little bit about dives. Okay. The reason a dive bar is called a dive is because back in the 80s, 1880s, before Prohibition, in New York, there were these seedy little bars that were in the basement, right? They were all like, you had to walk down to them to get into them. 
and it was almost like you didn't want to be seen going in so you would dive in you would go down and you would kind of inconspicuously try and sneak into these bars so people didn't know that you were hanging out in there gotcha right so right away <laughs> chicago has a lot of those kind of set up as well i i actually drove uh drove by one the other day journos i think it's called now it used to be yoxies yeah and those they're like almost like a garden unit so you're going down and into right it. by right by yoxies is uh ravens that's another yeah. one that's like four steps down nice little 4 a.m dive I think New York has a similar setup to uh, the comedy cellar itself mm-hmm. is, I mean, as its name appropriately states, is a, is like a cellar you have to go down into it as well. Yeah, I never made the one in New York, but I went to the one in Vegas once. The comedy it's not cellar? A cellar? But it's still called the comedy cellar. Okay. Very it's cool. not in a basement or anything. Uh, it They make it look just like the other one, though. Okay. Anyway, uh, besides the point, so dive bars have been around forever. Uh, they've kind of had the reputation that they still have to today as like a lower end, cheap beer, cheap whiskey like kind of place where you go in with the intention of being, you're not, I wouldn't say like being seedy, but you don't go to a dive bar to sip on some cocktails. You, you know, you go to a dive bar to have a good time. You're going to get a little rowdy. A dive can also be a fancy cocktail lounge. Yeah, today. Right. More... Like you said, aesthetic. Aesthetic-wise, yeah, make it still have a nice cocktail program, but then mm-hmm. I would never consider that a true dive. So what is that? What is that true dive? A dive is somewhere where you go to get cheap beer. Like, a dive should never have, like, a computerized cash register. They should only have an cash? old school. I'm not saying only cash, but I'm saying, like, they should. their register should make a lot of noise in my <laughs> mind. And that that is silly. so aesthetic, that though. Silly. That's and so like, niche. And that's like in my mind what I was already thinking, and it's actually on this article. It's included. Okay. Um, dives should not be known for their food. I don't think so. I think if you're going to a dive, you should expect to get some like pretzels or popcorn, maybe. Like there's a popcorn machine in the back, but that's it. I think. Can I play devil's advocate and say that that is being known for your food? Being like, we knew we would go to Clark's for the free popcorn, not great popcorn. We it's... didn't go there for the free popcorn. We went there because they were open till four a.m. This is true, but the popcorn was a plus. And I also don't know if I would call Clark's a dive before like ten p.m. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know. There's seated dining and like a big beer garden out back, and yeah, that's true. I don't think I've ever experienced that before. And like the bartenders we knew, which were which is another part of dives, is that they keep the same bartenders for a long time, and they build regulars, and the regulars sit at their seats at the bar, and then you have the rest of the people that come in are are not so much regulars. They hang out everywhere else. I think a dive should have like a pool table or dartboards, uh, something to entertain the guests. Did you have regulars? Did you make regulars? I didn't make regulars, but I walked into regulars. Okay. Like there were regulars that existed at the bar already, and Did I became you, friends with them. So you you served not regulars. friends with them, but well, yeah, I guess whatever friends. Uh, yeah, all the time. I knew all the regulars. I worked Monday afternoons, bro. <laughs> I got to know all the regulars. <laughs> you got to know all the regulars. Well, so you've day. never had that moment then where you were like, "I just made a regular." Like, have you ever had that moment before? Not at a dive at HQ, yeah. That's, I would, I mean, HQ is a few, I'm just saying, it's, 
it's not open so it's not anything right now but <laughs> he rolled his eyes at me he rolled his eyes at me so hard and i love it uh no i'm saying that it can become one like a dive is also almost in a sense uh a, a, like a badge of of hanging around long enough i feel right like being in in a in a neighborhood for a long enough time maybe starting out as that kind of pristine like new neighborhood cocktail bar and then working your way to like just this old surviving dive dive survive that's what they do yeah uh i would agree but i would say so like you could have made that regular at hq for when hq is that dive although the space or the location might not warrant such a thing you know what i mean i also think that like for some reason (laughs) a dive has to be like small yeah, and it's a huge. That's what I mean. The location might not warrant such a such a thing. A dive should not have to advertise, right? Besides, like specials of the day, like maybe a sandwich board out front, and like you don't have to provide any crazy amenities. Like we said, popcorn and stuff, but that's just a bonus. You don't have to do that shit. Bonus, Jonas. You could, like, literally, if I'm walking into a dive, I'm looking at the beer cooler, and I'm probably just ordering a high life and a shot of Jameson. Which is what I would order at most places if it's a bar. Now, I am very scared about how many dives we're going to lose because of this pandemic. Luckily, a lot of them have been around for a long time and maybe have been able to save themselves, but they have not been allowed to serve more than anyone these dives that don't serve food. Right. They, they've, uh, under the regulations that we've had in this whirlwind of a, of a year, they have had the most stranglehold on their sales because the only time we've opened indoor dining has been with, if you have a kitchen, kind of yeah. the cop, the ca- that has been the caveat. Well, they opened bars for like two weeks. Yeah, but that's what I mean. So they're open again, right? Yeah. Everywhere's slowly opening back up. The need for uh, bartenders is strong. By the way, if you need a job, <laughs> you let me know. Don't tell the government that I think they need to. Oh, I'm sorry. Government, we're struggling here. Uh, I don't want another stimulus package. So uh, I, I also think um, part of the fun of a dive is like the owner is normally around and they're just like kind of chilling at the bar or like everybody knows the owner on a first name basis like all the regulars like that's that's who they keep in company so there's just this also an attachment to the bar itself it once you become one of those people that are like regulars i've never worked at a dive you've worked at a dive how often would you say is the owner typically there enjoying the i mean i would see him every day every day i worked i mean there as in the sense of like sitting there and drinking so i worked at jake's at a time when the owner had given up drinking oh interesting so i mean i worked there for a couple years so like when i first started working there he was drinking then he stopped and by the time i left you know he still hadn't started again so i he would come in and i would serve him you know like ginger ale or something just to hang out and have it have a drink with the guys. I would say that it would be probably be pretty regular for him to hang out and have, hang out. have a few back in the day. I have had the pleasure of, so I turned 21 
uh, while I was living in the suburbs. And the suburb I lived in had a bunch of dives in it. Like, literally. <laughs> like, I would describe half the bars in that town as a dive. And, you know, uh, there were a few where you'd see the owner in there every day. Drinking, hanging out, giving stuff away. And I feel like that's how, part of how the dives get that regular basis is just the, the inclusion of everyone into the people that run the place and like you know you go into a real dive it's gonna be like there's the owner that's his cousin bartending that's his son over there putting beer away or whatever you know like it's a very family driven place so people can kind of get attached to the family that runs the place as along with the place itself I think I have a real attachment for dives. You're talking about Ma and Pa's, too, here, to a certain effect. Because not a lot of dives, I think, work on a... Because that's that's you basically reminiscing on your your upbringing in a I family I mean, shit, restaurant. I went to a dive in, on Division a while ago, but I walked in. The owner of the place was sweeping the floor. His daughter-in-law was the bartender, and his son was running the cash register. That's awesome. Gold Street, or Gold Star Liquors, right on Division there? Well, you know, maybe I'm the ignorant one then. Uh, and then, I mean, I, I'm i saying, like, all right, so yes, dives in themselves have become much more of an industry, because now it's something that people look for. Well, they have to be, otherwise you're not going to be making money off of them. Yeah, so, like, yes, maybe it's changed a little bit, but I feel like there are still a lot of those places that exist like that. I think you should look up right now who has died in this pandemic as far as dive bars go. I think that would be interesting to see because I'm currently unaware of who's like, like, is the Green Mill still up and running? Would you consider the Green Mill a dive bar? I think I would just based on like age. Here's the thing, though. It has prominently displayed on its on its walls cocktail lounge. And I would say now, because of its age and kind of like tying back to that idea of like, you know, where headquarters could be a dive bar in the distant future, right? Like when it when it becomes that thing, that's basically the Green Mill story and what I think a cocktail lounge is in general, because I did barely any research. I literally have the definition of lounge written down, which is lie, sit, or stand in a relaxed or lazy way. That's the verb. The noun is a public room, as in a hotel, theater, or club, in which to sit and relax. So it's kind of like that whole idea, which is why I think the Green Meal is so interesting, because it started as this jazz nightclub. Like, it, it started in 1907. <laughs> So it's it's a very, very old, old club. And it used to be the Pops Morse Roadhouse. And he sold that over to just some chauvinistic businessman who was basically seeing the rise of all these nightclubs, these jazz clubs and uh, Moulin Rouge specifically in Paris, which is basically just the Red Mill. So that's what the Green Mill is based off of. Okay. The Red Mill from Moulin Rouge. It was kind of their flip, like, you know, taking the red light district and flipping it on its ass. So it was right next to the Riviera 
there was another huge theater over there where they were just doing a bunch of live music and things like that. So naturally, that's where the Green Mill kind of got like its whole start was in this nightlife and they still or before the pandemic, I'm not sure if they're still up and running right now, but before the pandemic, they were doing music still at 1am, they would have their guys start some some of their shows playing jazz until like four in the morning. And that was just the atmosphere that they would try to keep that ambiance that they wanted. And they had those regulars who had their booths. Al Capone had his booth for the longest time there. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, I mean, it doesn't say that the Green Mill closed yet. There have been a few dives that have not survived. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, now that you have kind of talked me into it, that most dives that still exist may have started as some sort of uh, cocktail bar. I would also counter that, though, with there's probably a good deal of them that actually started as a liquor store, and people just started hanging out in there. Miska's over here on, on Belmont. It, it still has its bar attached to its liquor store. I love that. Yeah, and I mean, like, one of the dives close by me, the Barrel in Pilsen, uh, actually has some decent cocktails, but they're definitely known for the fact that they sell beer to go. Well, especially now, and this is kind of what I wanted to land on, because we know where we've come from. It's really easy. Like, we've defined the heck out of what a cocktail is. Yeah. And I think we are now moving on to that that space of it's no longer about what's in the glass anymore. It's about the conversation and the community that's cultivated around that glass, around that bowl of punch or whatever watering hole that you can find as home it's it's about the community you can kind of create around that and i think that's what all these hospitality spaces are trying to hit so that's why we we get to see all of these really fun places that we get to experience i think the scary part about today is that a lot of that has been suffocated because now whereas maybe two three years ago there were plans for at least a hundred new cocktail experiences and bars popping up, right? And that is not as that's not on the horizon anymore. Now I would, I, I would disagree. I would disagree with that a hundred percent because all of these places that are closing down, we're gonna see them reopening under new ownership. And we're gonna get a mass influx, maybe not in the next like two, three years, but maybe like next five years. In not just in Chicago, I think there's going to be a mass influx of new, innovative, crazy so places. That's my question, though, is where do where do cocktails go from here now? Where do people like you and I fit into that equation, too? So I'll also answer that question. I think cocktails are going to start to revert. I do, too. So I think we've gone into this crazy area of like really pretty photographable cocktails and stuff like that. I think in the next couple years... Maybe not next couple, but like the next the five year trend I see happening is cocktails being going so far that we're gonna tip back towards like making really really good basic cocktails. People are gonna get reintroduced to a really good daiquiri, reintroduced to a really good margarita. It's, it's already it's already basic. happening. So yeah, I had this moment last week with this lady where I gave her a dirty martini and she thought I was Picasso. She, it was this weird moment where she's like, oh my gosh, you did. I was like, well, yeah, you said just a little bit of vermouth and you wanted it dirty and this and this. And what I've learned about how extra dry. Uh, not extra dry. And I, I did a quarter ounce of it and we extra even dry means less. 
an extra guy on my team means very little bit for me. That doesn't make any sense to me. I know. That mathematically does not make sense. I, I would fuck that. I would fuck that cocktail up for that person if she said extra dry. That extra dry means like very little to me. If she's which is that what extra virgin olive oil is? Because I'll be angry. <laughs> I don't think that's what extra virgin olive. Oil <laughs> extra should mean more. Anyways, uh, well, I had this moment where she she was just like, "This is the best dirty martini I've ever had," and I I was just like, "Wow." A dirty martini can go just a long way. A simple daiquiri can go a long way. That makes no sense. <laughs> Sorry, we just looked up and it says... I a, confirm that I'm a genius. Yeah, so it says right here, we have confirmed a typical dry martini will have a drizzle of dry vermouth while an extra dry martini will only have a drop or two of dry vermouth. Sometimes even none at all. A perfect martini, on the other hand, is made with equal parts dry and sweet. I knew that. But. Yeah, extra dry means they want very, very, They want very 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 little little vermouth. They want it to be essentially flavorless. (laughs) They just want cold vodka. And now I'm just angry that that's the case. That extra dry, in fact, means less dry vermouth. And what were we talking about? How we're reverting back to those original cocktails, right? I think, like, the best... The, my best of both worlds in like the dying world is the bar I'm just, just talking about, the barrel. Because you walk in, you feel like you're, you're in a dive. The bartender's just wearing some random t-shirt. Looks like he shouldn't be bartending, like a little hipster kid. And then he makes these really nice, not like anything crazy, but really nice cocktails. Like, I ordered a whiskey sour and it came with egg whites without me asking. Add a little dive bar. So like, if I can get some basic you know, nothing crazy. I don't need a craft cocktail menu necessarily, but if I can still get good quality cocktails and then just come in and feel comfortable just ordering a beer in a shot, like, I'm cool with that. But I don't know if that's still a dive. I I think that defining it as that is fine, and I think it's completely aesthetic. I think that the green mill itself has completely turned into a dive from it being a cocktail lounge and I was watching an interview with the uh or the owner at that time I'm not sure what's going on with it now but he you know he's behind the bar too and he's you know he's basically saying when he took over the green mill he didn't really have a vision for like what he was going to do he just wanted it to be authentic he you know at, at a certain point it was it was glitz it was glamour it had live music playing on the regular it was right next to the Riviera, so it had things to compete with. But now it's old. It's a little torn apart. It's a little broken down. And he just doesn't want to, like, you know, he doesn't want to spit on your cupcake and call it frosting. He's going to call it what it is. This is his bar. They don't even have a cocktail menu. They Wait. got. Did they get shut down for not following COVID guidelines I'm, in the beginning, too? I'm not too sure. We would have to look that up. But uh, I know Maybe that... not shut down, but just, like, ticketed or something. I know for a fact what makes them interesting is apparently they... I, I'm not sure if this is the case, but right now they currently don't have a cocktail menu. And their philosophy behind that is if you don't know what goes in it, you probably shouldn't be drinking it. I know the flat iron shut down. Is that a dive? The flat iron? I think that's a pool hall. First, pool hall first. I'll give you that. But pool halls can be dives. It's true. I feel like Chicago pool league tournaments are all played in and won in like dives. 
Yeah, man. Uh, I I would say that once again everything becomes secular in this fucking podcast. <laughs> that I think that we started with cocktail lounges, and you're right. Obviously, they were less. I won't say sophisticated because I think sophisticated is also aesthetic. So I would say less, uh, you know, crafted. I more no. of traditional cocktails, obviously. You think cocktail lounges or dives are? I think cocktail lounges started like that. I think cocktail lounges are a work of art. It's a it's a piece trying to make a point, and it's that that point of the owners. So that's why I think they're so expressive and there's so many different kind of things you can hit that's why to a certain aspect headquarters is a cocktail lounge it's a cocktail pinball lounge it's yeah but it's also i unfortunately it's labeled as a beer cave right sure but that's its own regurgitated term of of nonsense i'm saying if you break it down to brass tacks it's a place like if we're if it's a place that serves cocktails where people go to unwind and lounge and be it that they do have a lot of pinball machines and things like that. It's that's their vision, right? That's yeah. the that's the focal lens through which they are they are using their cocktail lounge. That's why I think there's places like Slippery Slope, which almost has two competing cocktail lounges. It has its like divey feel on the bottom and its upstick scale kind of classy cocktail feel up top. Yeah. Where you know and and to me those are that whole unit is a cocktail lounge and that's kind of their aesthetic that they're that they're putting forward through that. So I would say you kind of divide them up into dives, cocktail lounges and clubs and there's restaurants and shit like that. But <laughs> which are like their own beast. But yeah, when it comes to bars and, and those things, I think like dives are those ones that for whatever reason that specific location is not dying uh i think it can even go undergo some name changes too and still be the same kind of divey feel yeah i would agree Um, i think and this is just me um i think one of the reasons dives can survive is because most of the time they've been there a long time they might have some grandfathered in rent control right and then on top of that your cost is low and like i said which you don't believe half the time your labor is your family so it's like by by being that just sounds illegal i believe it it just sounds but by being the type of place that it is it's built to survive because you can you can live off cheap beer you know you don't have to drive your costs up you can survive by being that place where people go to get a three dollar beer you know cocktail lounges are die our dives in the making yeah i wouldn't disagree um that's pretty much all i got uh until next week buddy hell yeah uh you guys thank you for listening this has been in poor spirits talking about dives and lounges and if you want to follow us for more cocktails you can do so at in poor spirits on instagram and on Twitter. And on Twitter, at Import Spirits. We will hopefully be back next week. Uh, if you need the recipe for a Chicago handshake, you can DM me. You know, hit me up. That's true. I'll help you fill that recipe real quick. And I love you all. And thank you.